calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Hello and welcome to this episode of Take 15. I'm Lauren Foster, Content Director at CFA Institute, and joining me today is Patrick O'Shaughnessy. Patrick is a Principal and Portfolio Manager at O'Shaughnessy Asset Management. He is also the author of Millennial Money, How Young Investors Can Build a Fortune. Patrick blogs regularly at Millennial Invest and is a CFA Charter Holder. Welcome, Patrick. Thanks, Thanks for Lauren. joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, so help set the scene for us a little bit. Um, how are millennial investors different from prior generations? So the first thing to note is there's a lot of us. There's about 90 million millennials, and it's a speck in the financial services world today because we only own 4% of mutual fund assets. But that number is going to change and grow yeah. a lot. Um, so knowing the preferences and what has shaped our collective opinions is really important yes. uh, for wealth managers in all walks of business. A couple key characteristics really yes. stand out. The first is how skeptical and wary we are of financial markets. Think about what we've been through. Two yeah. bad stock market crashes, a generally bad economy, tough jobs market, housing market crash. Mm -hmm. All of these things have, have been imprinted on our brains, really, and it's right. made us very skeptical. It's amazing, but four of the ten most hated brands amongst millennials are the big banks. Wow. We're very skeptical of financial services yeah. in general. And so I think one of the keys to working with us is to, is to attack that skepticism a right. little bit, uh, to frame things in the right way, and really to educate young people as much yes. as possible, because they've been woefully underserved when it comes to education. Okay. The last thing I note is this reliance on technology, much more so than prior generations. The easiest way to reach them um, and also to work with them is to make as much efficient, automated as possible, mm -hmm. uh, because that's what they're used to. I'm used to getting everything I want in 10 minutes on my iPhone, on my couch. And when yeah. I have to work harder than that, uh, I get frustrated because I've been spoiled as has yeah. my generation. So technology is another really okay. important thing to consider. If you could rewind the clock to age 20, um, what investing advice would you give your 20-year-old self? So piggybacking on the same kind of idea of technology and automation, mine would be automatically setting up contributions right. to my investment account. I always contributed to my 401k, mm -hmm. um, which I hope I'm urging all these young people to yeah. do. But what I didn't do was set up an automatic contribution to just a normal brokerage account. Yes. For years, I put that off, always mm -hmm. thinking, okay, I'll wait a little bit more and then I'll get going. Always yeah. some excuse, right? Finally, I set it up, and since I've done that, it's set and forget. I've totally forgot about it. It's behind the scenes. Yep. Um, I find that the more involved human beings are, the more subjective emotional decisions, yes. the worse the returns for investors. So okay. strip yourself out of the equation and automate things. That would be my advice to, okay. to a younger person. I also read you, uh, you talk about sort of going global, being different, getting out of one's way. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about those three elements? Sure. So I talked about the third, which is yeah. automate. Uh, yes. You know, Make it very rules-based. Don't, don't make a lot of decisions because we tend to be emotional. Right. The other two, go global and be different, are important because we tend to be what I call portfolio patriots. We concentrate our investments in our home country, yeah. ignoring a lot of opportunities around the globe. Mm -hmm. and that's been a mistake for most investors historically. So I urge investors to build a global portfolio. Right. 
The second, for kind of the more involved or interested investor, would be to be to build a very different portfolio. Meaning, don't just buy the entire market. Focus on stocks with proven characteristics like valuation, yeah. like quality. Do it in a very disciplined way. Companies paying impressive yields. These have been good ways to earn excess returns. Right. Granted, it does require a little more work and more discipline mm-hmm. uh, than owning indexes, which is a great first option. But being different can lead yes. to very, very good results as well. Okay. So in your book, you also write about financial karma. Mm. What is financial karma, and why is it important? So I learned this lesson in karma very early. I was a terrible student in high school. So bad, in fact, that I, I received rejection letters from every single college oh my God, to which ready? I applied all on the same day, one spring, <laughs> one spring of my senior year of high school. So I had to do some soul searching, and I righted the ship, and everything's okay, and I had a great college experience. But I, I, I started learning about this concept of karma, which yeah. people think of as mystical mumbo-jumbo, but it's just right. Sanskrit for cause and effect. You get out what you put in. Yes. Um, and the argument in the book is that I think we built collectively some bad karma. Lots of debt uh, borrowed to pay for very expensive programs to support an aging and older population. Right. Uh, we, we're just getting much older as a developed world, and that's more expensive to support. So we've developed some bad collective karma. I advocate building good personal financial karma, which is simple. You, you spend less than you earn, you yeah. save, you invest, uh, you, you save as much as you can, and that can offset the yes. bad collective karma. That makes a lot of sense. Um, One of the interviews that I read, um, you said, and I'll quote this, uh, millennials and robo-advisors are a match made in heaven because robo-advisors sit at the intersection of investing and technology. You've talked a little bit about technology. Um, I'd like to hear a bit more about, uh, I guess, the the, the challenge of the robo-advisors and how they're a match made in heaven for millennials, not so much for the traditional advisors. Right. So I think where where the wealth runs of the world are, are... being so successful is because they're so easy to get started. I think that the biggest barrier for young investors who typically have a lot smaller dollar amounts to work with here. So they think, is this really worth all this trouble for $1,000, $10,000? Wealthfronts of the world, the acorns.com of the world are making this extremely easy. The barrier to entry for for time and for money is just much lower. That's why I think they're such a good match because it's helping young people get started. Certainly not to say that those companies have it all. And I, I'm a huge advocate of the advisor model for controlling behavior more than anything else, which nice. it remains to be seen if these firms can do. Yes. Uh, but it is, I think, on a whole, a yeah. very good development because it's getting younger people started sooner. Right. We spoke a little bit about how retirement is a centerpiece for a lot of you know, financial advice. And yet for millennials, that is something that is you know, decades away. Mm. Um, so... What advice do you have for traditional advisors who want to work with millennials, yet their business models are focused on a lot on retirement, but millennials aren't even thinking about that? So this is the issue I've struggled the most with trying to motivate people to actually take action, young people. Very hard to think four or five decades ahead. Yeah. I say to everyone, look at these spectacular long-term returns you could you could earn, yeah. appeal to their reason, appeal to the long-term. Yeah. Everyone nods, agrees, and then does nothing. Right. Um, I think that the key, as I've worked it out, is to appeal to more immediate needs, right. frustrations, things you can solve for them now, yeah. while, of course, also planning for retirement, and also appeal to their emotions rather than their reason. It's a more powerful way to get us to act. Um, so talk about financial shelter that's immediate. Talk yes. about protection over the longer term rather than just getting wealthy. Uh, these kinds of framing, if you will, yes. are strong psychological tools to get people started younger, which is a great a great mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the message needs to be reworked, not so much do great over the long term, yeah. but appeal to more immediate needs for younger people. Okay. That's really helpful and very interesting. Thanks so much, Patrick. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks for watching. 
Copyright 2015 CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.